Hello and welcome to Total Random Mama keeping hashtag mom life real. I am Total Random Mama aka Tara and I am the mom to Henry who is seven going to be eight very soon oh my god and Miles who is two. Um, So I feel like every season that I do this going forward I did one last season uh, doing one right now I'm going to have to have this talk with parents, moms, everyone, um, about being a judgy McJudger. Now, I am going to preface this by saying I am not perfect. There are things that I do judge a parent, other parents about as well. It's human, but I try to keep my judgment to myself, number one. And number two, I try to acknowledge it. Someone said something to me a little while ago, and I was like, Holy crap, that is very insightful. They said, um, the judgment, what you judge others for is you really judging yourself. So like sit with that for a minute, right? Like the things you criticize others about are the things you're too scared to criticize yourself about. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for all things that we judge other people on, like, you know, I, 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 but it's just something we should keep in the back of our mind. So what triggered this today is um, I had a whole other episode planned and then I came across, and I can do it after this because it still fits in because I'm going to touch about a little bit of a part of it, but a part of this is self-care and mental health. I was going to talk today about um, my mental health because I got a lot of questions about um, what I talked about in the last episode, you know, being that we have left the, uh, we've been in this crazy world as is with this uh, panoramic view um, for a year. And that's been tough. And I talked about my mental health and people asked me like, well, what are you doing? What did you see? What's been going on? How did you deal? So I was going to talk about that today, but I'm going to do that next week. This week, um, it was triggered by an article I saw in, um, and I'm sure some of you follow this, Scary Mommy. So the headline is, no, this is not a joke. Yes, people do it. And it shares a blog post about this cruel and heartless form of sleep training needs to go. And what they're implying is about cry it out, the cry it out method. Um, But the one they're highlighting is an extreme form of cry it out that I'm willing to bet no sane, loving parent is doing in the year 2021. And the parents who did do it before were sane and loving in that time period. They just didn't have the tools, the knowledge that we have now. And and this is the thing. So I'm going to take a step back from the article for a second. And I just want to talk about parenting styles and parenting styles within generations. So um, I've mentioned this before. I'm an older mom. I'm 43 years old. I had my first child, Henry, at 35. I had my second, Miles, two weeks before my 41st birthday. But I fall into a younger generation, Gen X person. Um, I would say I have millennial tendencies, so I am in that, I'm at that, older end of that zennial sub generation but i do have a lot of gen xer ways like 
we won't get into that because that makes me cussy, but like the reality bites, jaded kind of thing. I have to work really hard to be positive. So um, I liken, I, my personality is probably more of a Gen Xer. My ability for technology, technology and, and the things that I was influenced by in terms of technology and pop culture may be a little heavy on the millennial side, although I'm like yesterday was breakfast club day because um, it was March 24th. Um, so yeah, so you got to remember who the millennials and some of the Gen Zers parents are, they're Gen Xers. Um, and then the Gen Xers were raised by boomers um, and some the silent generation. So I was raised by hippie boomers and my hippie, the hippie part made my parents more open and loving and they worried about my my well-being and my mental health and and things like that as a child they were a little bit tuned in because of their hippie ways um but there was also this like my husband and i were having a conversation last night because he's henry's one of henry's um chores is to feed the cat and it's like we have to remind him every day to feed the cat and so my husband said to me yesterday, he's like, you know, is this normal? Are we supposed to have to be telling this kid to do the same thing every single day? And so my first instinct was, well, yeah, he's seven. But then my second was like, hell no, at seven, I was like using the stove. At seven, I was sorting my laundry. I was cleaning toilet bowls. And I, if I was told more than once that I had to do something, like, nah, my parents weren't playing around with me. Um, I was a latchkey kid. I spent a lot of time by myself. I, my parents weren't there to entertain me or play with me. I mean, they did. I had really cool parents. Like we had water fights and like we did stuff together. My parents were the anomaly, I think, not the norm. So, you know, but you also got to look at them and how they were raised. Like my dad is one of seven, you know, they didn't have a lot. My dad didn't finish high school. This is normal for boomers. So they're looking at their kids and they're like, what do you mean play with me? And they fought wars that they had no business being in, you know? So there's, there's, there's trauma there. So they're dealing with their own trauma. So when I see people judging their parents from this lens it's it's kind of upsetting because you got to look at the time they were doing the best they could for the most part i know there's exceptions to this rule where abuse and things were involved but they were doing the best they could with the tools they had at the time and because of technology we have more tools because of science and the advancements in science we have no more rules but there's also caveats to that as well because let like look at the wakefield autism report it, we realized it was bull. So while, while I do rely on science, it needs to be uh, founded in something. So found in something more than just one hypothesis or one person. There needs to be a little bit more substantial um, background to it, which brings me back to the topic of the cry it out method. So 
I am a proponent of the cried out method. It worked wonders in my home. It was not torture. I'm not traumatizing my children. I did not traumatize my children. Um, it does not teach them not to trust you or that you're never going to comfort them ever because like, think about that for a minute. Like seriously sit and critically think about that for a second, because if that was true, every time you play peekaboo with your baby and you cover your face and they think you've disappeared, you're traumatizing them. And the quiet out methods that are being used now are, are softer. They're gradual. They're also paying attention to your child, knowing your child. Like as moms, as parents, we know the different types of cries our children have. There is the distress cry. And then there's the, you're just cozy. You smell good, mama. And I just want to lay on you all night long because it makes me happy. I'm great, sweetheart. I love that my chest and my arms and my scent soothe you and you like it. But I also have to sleep myself because let's be real parents. We cannot pour from an empty cup. And if we are not getting sleep, we are not our best selves and we are not giving our children the best of us because we've got nothing left. And also, what are we teaching them? We are teaching them to take, take, take until they drain us. It's like the giving tree, which, you know, the first time I read it, it was, a, I thought it was a beautiful story. And then I saw how dark it was. And, and that child turning into a grown man takes from that tree until there is nothing left. Our children shouldn't learn that. We need to fill our cups. We need to, we need to take care of ourselves. Self-care is not a shower. I've, that is a hard lesson I've had to learn during this COVID time. A shower is not self-care. A shower is a necessity of life. Sitting down to a meal without interruption or like and finishing it and eating it properly and not stuffing yourself. It's not self-care. That is a necessity of life. Self-care is going to get your nails done. Self-care is, you know, sitting and reading a book in quiet silence. Those things are self-care. Doing things that you need to do to make to maintain your body actually, you know, I'll take that back because maybe for your mental health, you need those 15 minutes to read that book. Whatever you need to fill your cup is not self, is, is not a luxury. It is self-care, but necessity is not self-care, if that makes any sense to you. It made sense in my head as I was saying it. Um, so if you're not sleeping and the baby's not sleeping, nobody's winning here. And so I adopted the, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to stop before I get into what I did. This does not work for everybody. It may not be good for your mental health to hear your baby cry at all. And you may have to find another way, no judgment, but then don't sit and tell me that I am traumatizing my child because those of you who have, who have met my children or who know my children, do they look traumatized to you? Cause they don't to me. They know they can depend on me. They know they can trust me. They know that they are loved. 
you know, if they didn't know those things, then why are they looking at my face in the morning for food? Because if they didn't trust me or they didn't think their needs were being met, they wouldn't be looking at me and asking me for these things. They would just assume it's not coming and 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 die of starvation. And 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 a nano 15 minutes is a nanosecond to a baby. It's it and it's not there's a there is a study that says it's affecting their brain. You're only taking a portion of the study. The study says long-term stress can affect the brain. Short-term stress is actually, it helps for the fight, flight, fight or flight mechanism we have. But even cry out method does not, they cannot conclusively say that, fight, that it, it affects either one of those. Now, again, there's exceptions to the rules. The old cry it out till they vomit, absolutely not cried out to the point that the child is distressed and, and, and curled up in a ball on the floor. No, that is not right. But there are cried out methods that work. So the one we did was the gradual extinction um, or the gradual cry it out. So basically we started with three minutes of crying. If the cry didn't change and increase in intensity, after you know three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes was my max. Uh, sorry, I lie. 20 minutes was my max with Henry. 15 minutes was my max with Miles because Miles also had colic and GERD. So it was a little different situation, but 20 minutes was my max with Henry. Uh, you go in and you comfort and then you start all over again once you reach 20. I literally did this for two nights with both my children. And after that, they were good to go. It also doesn't mean that if after they're asleep for a period of time and they wake up in distress or crying that you don't go in and start all over again. And it gets to the point that we're at now where basically if Miles wakes up in the middle of the night crying, it is rare unless something is wrong. Like he was teething a, a few months ago that I have to rock him for more than two to three minutes before that child is like, okay, I want my bed now. And off he goes. My children are not traumatized by it. So this notion that it causes some sort of trauma is a myth. And I know for some people as well, um, the thought of your child cry, you being the child cause of your child crying is hard. And here's what I think, if anybody's thinking about doing this method, there's two things I want to say to that. So one, you are not the cause of your child crying. Likelihood, the reason they're crying right now is because they're overstimulated and they're overtired. And so they do need to calm down and they do need to learn to calm themselves down because especially when you're having more than one child, you know, you can't be at your children's beck and call. It's just not good for your mental health and it's not possible. I mean, a perfect example is last night at dinner, Henry is trying to tell me a story and Miles is screaming. And at like at some point I had to turn to Miles and be like, stop it. I'm talking to your brother. <laughs> Go back to what Henry was saying. Or Henry and I would have to pause, let Miles scream. And I was not acknowledging the behavior. And then continue with him telling me I shouldn't have to make Henry stop because he was he had my attention he asked for my attention I gave it to him I shouldn't have to make him stop because Miles is upset that his peas are touching his carrots no so you know these are the things that we have to do the other you know great analogy and I think it was in the book or maybe somebody told it to me because I used the book um healthy sleep habits, happy child, or happy child, healthy sleep habits, or something like that. Um, 
the analogy was either in the book or somebody said it to me and I wish I knew which it was, but it was like, you know, you're for the safety of your child. They have to wear a helmet. You put the helmet on your kid to go ride their bike and they cry. Are you going to take the helmet off and let them ride their bike? Or are you going to keep the helmet on them, let them sit in this discomfort and, and the upset of having to wear a helmet to push the point that it is to ride your bike, you need a helmet. That's the way I look at crying it out. You know, they don't like that. They like Miles didn't like that he was not sleeping on my cozy boobs, you know? So he was upset about it and he was going to cry about it. But the best place for him to sleep was in his crib, not on me. A, sleeping on me was not safe. B, I wasn't getting any rest, which could again, make things unsafe. It was just not a good idea all around. So I had to let him sit in his discomfort for a little while, not long, 15 minutes again, it's not that long so that he could, so that the best thing for him could be done, the safest and best thing for him to be done. And let's, and, and sleep deprived babies affect their brain development. They need a certain amount of sleep and they're going to fight it because they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they, they don't understand what's happening because they don't have that cognitive part of their brain really working yet. So as parents, sometimes we have to do things that cause discomfort to our children because it's for their best interest or their safety. And many of the people judging, they also have this notion of it's selfish that we are dropping our children off and our babies, our children off into the room, closing the door, letting them scream their heads off so we can go and, you know, drink wine and watch Grey's Anatomy. I don't know about any other cry it out method, mom, but it was really hard, first of all. It was harder with Henry than it was with Miles. I will say that because I'd been through it with Henry and I saw the results. That child is an amazing sleeper. He fights it because he's a kid but when he goes down he's down you know um and same with miles so with henry and my sister-in-law there my husband there for support and i sat outside of his door and i cried because it's hard but i was also listening for his cry and if his cry turned into stress i went in earlier so i mean it, it all worked out i think my sister-in-law also too was really way more stressed than i was even though i was crying she was really upset too because she hates hearing her nephews cry um, I mean, everybody does. I hate hearing them cry, but you do kind of, someone said on uh, Facebook, you do kind of get used to it by the second or third child. You're like, oh, they're crying. Okay. Um, but it's, it, that's, that's not the reason behind it. It's not because we're being selfish. It's not because we don't care. It's not because, you know, we want to go watch Grey's Anatomy and drink. Uh, a lot of the time it is because it is a, let's get back to it, self-care and a necessity. So, you know, this whole controversy around this technique, to be frank, is just crap. And again, my first point, why are we judging? At the end of the day, everybody parents differently. No one way is right or wrong. Unless you are breaking the law or beating the crap out of your children, you know, or verbally abusing them, not caring for them, like not meeting any of their needs. 
there's no need for us to judge. If you want to cry it out and I don't, what makes me so right and you so wrong? It's just what's working for me and what's working for you. Why can't we get to this place where we don't judge these things? Because on the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's just a different choice. It's a different parenting choice. And it may not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's not your place to judge. Only my kids can do that in their 20s, and they probably will no matter what we do. And you know what? Yours will too. So with that, I'm going to just say, let's put the judgment aside, hear each other out, and maybe there's things you will learn about different parenting styles or idea that you can implement Whatever works for you, keep what doesn't throw away, but also throw away your judgment. Okay, so that was fun until next week where I'm going to talk about how I handled my mental health. Uh, I'm going to sign off. So as usual, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Total Random Mama. On Facebook, Total Random Mama. Check out my uh, website, TotalRandomMama.com. And until then, remember, we are in this.